The Start On Demand. On demand. So have you started deflating yet from your holiday season overindulgence? We all feel pretty gross around here, so we're going to try to give each other some tips on how to snap out of it and get back to somewhat of a normal routine. Foam food containers have been banned in Vancouver. Could that work here? We'll speak to the owner of Fusion Grill, who says he moved away from styrofoam years ago. Firefighters are attacked and threatened while answering a fire call on Elgin. We'll speak to the head of the firefighters' union. And one of our listeners reached out to us to tell us he experienced an ice quake. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who is back on Friday. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, January 2nd podcast for The Start. I came on and and was speaking and couldn't hear myself and thought... Am I going crazy? It was so exciting too. I was, you were very your, yeah. your your attitude is strong. You're like very motivated. And then, but then I looked at producer Kyle and I saw him go whoops and he realized he didn't <laughs> have us. All the buttons turn. I press and I forget to turn your microphones on, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was great. It was so funny because we were just talking about how gross and disgusting we feel after overindulging in the holidays, yep. and then you came firing right out of the gates with excitement and enthusiasm for the day, but it was muted. It was like fitting. Yeah. 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 We're so, not there yet. So uh, <laughs> if, if my enthusiasm has now fallen off, I'll just blame producer Kyle for that. Who's Poor your Kyle. Right. That's Poor right. Kyle. <laughs> He's in for forte today. But yes, uh, well, for, on the subject of feeling disgusting, we'll get to that in a moment, but how was your New Year's, Loren McNabb? It was really good. Yeah, I spent it with some friends and... Um, uh, I have always said, and, and I think you'll agree, like in the past few years, I've decided New Year's to not get too excited mm-hmm. about it. You know, expectations when you were younger were so high for the yeah. night. And that changes, like, you know, with age and time and that kind of stuff. But it's still great to be with people that you love and care about and bring in the new year. I'm always full of hope this time of year. Really? Yeah. Full of hope. Well, that's I good. mean, I get kind of, um, you look back sometimes and you try to think about what did I accomplish and, you know, what do I need to still do? But I think at the end of the day, it's nice to wake up and say, you know, like we... Hey man, still here, still alive, still healthy. Yeah, and I actually I'm fatter. <laughs> oh, I made. I did actually make some resolutions. Normally, I don't make resolutions, okay. but one of the ones that I made was to try to focus on the good. You know, mm-hmm. like heading into Christmas, we spoke on the show about how I was kind of bummed. You know, because my mom's gone and other changes uh, sort of left me kind of down mm-hmm. going into the holidays. But then I was just looking through my phone and looking at the various pictures I've taken and just the. Gathering after gathering, seeing old friends. I saw like my buddy Aaron Meads from high school, who I haven't seen like probably since high school. He mm-hmm. was in town visiting family, so I got together with him. And I saw another guy whose name is Malcolm, who I haven't seen for ten years. And I just realized like I, there are a lot of people in my life who I care about and who care about me. Exactly. So I need to focus on that stuff as I move forward because it can be easy to let life kind of beat you down, especially where we work. We work in a newsroom and we try to have fun on our show, but the news often, you know, is not happy. Lots of serious things to talk about. You know, I have a friend who actually mentioned one of the things she started doing, which I thought was great, kind of speaks to what you're saying, is is focusing on the good. And she starts writing a nightly gratitude list Mm -hmm. and write down the things that she's thankful for because it's really easy to focus on the bad, right? And get sucked into like, oh, why why did this happen? Or why didn't, I don't know, why didn't I get that promotion? Or why didn't this go this way? And if you write down the other list, you've got much longer list, usually a positive than you do negative, but you get sucked into that negativity. And she says, sometimes just writing it down has really helped her be like, oh, right, this was a good week or a good day or overall good year. Yeah. So um, I, I, um, I too am now encouraged. The holidays were great. I got to spend some time with my dad and my sister and then New Year's was fun. I went bowling at Chateau Lanes with Kent and Eileen and their spawn, as I like to their say. Spawn. Their spawn. Yeah. How many spawn are there? There are three spawn. There oh, was Amelia, Regan and Elliot. <laughs> and uh, it was weird buying a drink for their daughter, uh, Amelia, who I've known her since she was four. And so then now she's 18. She's of age now. Ooh, yeah. That so is. It was kind of weird. Yeah. It just, I just, it was very casual about it. Hey, you want a drink? And then as I handed it to her, I thought, I just handed one of their kids a drink. <laughs> and uh, so that, that kind of felt, made me feel weird for two reasons. One, it's just sort of this landmark moment in terms of like, well, there, she's an adult now. But two, it made me feel super old. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, but that was fun. Bowling is always fun. And, uh, but as you mentioned, 
Yesterday in particular, God, did I feel disgusting. And I had to resist all urges to snack and overindulge. I just ate like a leftover salad and mashed in an avocado and had some like veggie chicken strips. And that's all I ate for the day. Good for you. And thankfully, like, I can even feel it today. I just feel slightly less bloated. Because yeah. I felt like someone took a bike pump and jabbed it into my side, into my love handle, and just started <laughs> pumping, pumping. Because I was, like, I felt like I could be rolled oh, down the street. I, I was driving home from uh, our friend's place yesterday, and I could feel my chin, like, chin, <laughs> like shaking as I hit the bumps. I'm not joking. And I, I, and I hadn't felt that before. And I thought, oh, God, like, what? Have I hit a new low? And I don't say this to be like funny or even disparaging. It's just you have those things, those little tells. Yep. Like if you pull up a pair of pants and you're like, why isn't this buttoning up anymore? <laughs> like, So the chins were shaking. My ski pants weren't fitting when I went out skating. I was like, all right, so you need to... Christmas has been great, but yeah. move on. Yeah, and well, and the, the good thing is, if you can get yourself in a routine, a lot of that'll go away because yeah. a lot of it is just the the extra salt from yeah. snacks. Like I n- never buy potato chips, but a friend of mine posted something on uh, Instagram recently. She's moved to the United States, but she brought this bag of zesty Doritos with her. I guess they don't sell them down there, mm. so she she's been saving it, and she finally cracked it open and. That's like one of my favorite chips. So I went out New Year's Eve. I hadn't bought snacks. I was at the grocery store earlier in the day. I thought, should I get some chips for later? No, I'm going to try to be responsible. But sure enough, I had this insane craving for chips. I had to go get some, but the only place I could get them was the Shell Station because it was after 11 o'clock. Cost me five dollars and fifty nine cents for a bag of Doritos. Yeah, if that's not a, if that's not a reason to stop eating chips, I don't know what it is. But they were good chips. Yeah, they were good chips. Yeah, it, you know, like I know everybody this time of year. If you do make New Year's resolutions, it does often involve weight or getting fit or back in shape, and it's not because it's a new year. It, I think it's just because for so many of us, the past ten days mm-hmm. are so beyond the norm. Like I don't normally eat pierogies at ten a.m. Ask me how many times I did do that. How many times did at you do that? At least three. Oh, good for you. Good and for you. Dip them in sauces as well. I hope so. At 10 a.m. Yeah. Well, well why not? Sauce was there, Brett. Food. Didn't want to let food? the leftovers go to waste. Yeah. It was more of a good for the environment type thing. Good for you. Yes. Doing my part. Well, we're going. We're hoping to <laughs> speak with our friend uh, Catherine from Surefire Fitness a bit later on on helping you make that transition from the holiday overindulgence sort of back to normal. And a lot of it, like if you've been snacking more recently, like I never snack. But the last couple of weeks, I have been snacking just like soda crackers and peanut butter or something like Can that. Can I tell everybody, you, you just were talking about how you never snack this morning. And then around 5.30 a.m., I hear this like crinkling of yeah. like, I was like, hang on, Brett, what are you eating? And you're like, well, I walked by the kitchen and there's a package of cookies sitting there. And so <laughs> they were those like, little M&M Brett, cookies. you just said you felt disgusting and you didn't want to snack anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I know. Well, there was only one bag left. Someone had to eat it. <laughs> but yeah, clearly I need help making uh, that, that transition. It was like you're sneaking it in, like you're not supposed to have it, and I hear that big unwrap. Yeah. Uh, I did bring two bananas to work to eat, but good. I started my there day off go. with cookies. That's fine. So, yeah, trying to ease myself out. So hopefully a bit later on we'll have some tips for you on that, and we're going to have a larger conversation about how do we get out of the holiday overindulgence and back to normal. Tristan Field-Jones is here in for Jeff Braun. Kelly Moore is here. Kyle Milroy, producer Kyle, in for Jeff Forte. And we want to ask the question, have you started deflating from the holiday season overindulgence yet? And it's because it's not just like a, a, a few day span over Christmas. It's like the entire month. Should I bring in the half tray of cookies and the box of chocolates that are still in the still, newsroom? I know. Yeah, no oh my God. I don't know when those were brought in, but that to me is a sign that everyone has hit a wall. Because usually <laughs> when food comes in here at any other well, month. Well, Christian O'Mel has been away. Right, yeah. that's true. They would be gone. But usually food comes in and it's gone. Like you can't yeah. get to the their email will go out and say like there's leftover pizza or something. And, but it's like everybody runs to the kitchen. And then I came in today and I was like, oh, those cookies are still sitting here a couple of days later. They're good. Yes, they are very, very They're good. They're excellent, excellent baked goods. But that's a sign that we've hit our wall. Yeah, I, and I've just I ate so many potato chips over the holidays. Like I was sitting at my dad's on Christmas Day and. 
he opened a bag of chips and then I ate the rest of it. And then I opened another bag of chips and I ate that. And, and uh, I just felt so gross the last couple of days. Today is, I, I'm already starting to feel a little better because I took it easy yesterday. But it's hard. Like once oh. you get going, like the, I, I mentioned, I think last week, the day that, so we went out for lunch, Loren, me, you and Greg to Five Two Nine Wellington. So that was two weeks ago. So I went to Five Two Nine for a burger and fries for lunch. Brazen Hall, like four hours later, with a fried chicken sandwich, and then went to Earl's the next day for another burger, and then to a friend's place that night for chicken wings, and then out for brunch the next day. And that was all like just holiday stuff. It wasn't Christmas anything. Man, so. forget the hit to your waistline. Your wallet's taking a beating oh, too with eating out. But I do think you just get to the point where. It, you decide that it's Christmas so or it's holidays, and so I'll deal with it later, and you convince mm-hmm. yourself it's okay. Yeah. Well, the biggest I think the biggest culprit for this is eggnog, which <laughs> I love, and I'm still finishing up the last of the supply. Uh, but I always get the light stuff thinking I'll be doing myself a favor. One mug full of light eggnog is one-eighth of your total daily caloric <laughs> intake. One-eighth? One-eighth. 250 calories. And is that without alcohol? That is without alcohol. Right, so you add the alcohol in there, if you do. Right, and then how many people have just one mug of eggnog? That's Nobody. the light eggnog. The light eggnog, yes. I did not look at the calories for the regular eggnog, so I know that's where, because I love eggnog, and I've been having it for the last little while, and then, you know, I wonder, well, why do I have an extra roll? Well, that's the eggnog. <laughs> See Tristan, see, Tristan, if you add alcohol, you don't care about the caloric intake. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what about you, Kelly? How do, how, uh, how do you feel? Uh, bloated. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah me, my wife is just such an outstanding cook, so, I mean, we don't, I, we don't go out, but I... Good Lord, there's still enough baking in our freezer that uh, I'm sure we could go up and down the street and not give it all away. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Her yeah. cabbage rolls that, are delicious. Oh, and your yeah. cabbage rolls are yeah. so good that her, I her was in the shower yeah. the other day and my kids yeah. came knocking on the door and said, Dad wants to know where the cabbage rolls are. <laughs> and I was like, is this for real? Like, this is like, yeah. like I'm like in the shower. That's, that's, where we, that's the point we've hit at the yeah, holiday I'm season. I'm eating right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I I make uh, sausage rolls every year for Christmas, and we uh, we try to send those uh, to our daughter in BC as well, and and so there's still a great big container of those sitting in the freezer. So I I don't know how we're going to get through this. You can bring him to work. We'll help you with <laughs> There's that. There's one yeah. solution. <laughs> Christian O'Mell is yeah. in next week. He's, he's sure. back next week, yeah. yeah. So how do you get back on track? Like, is it, are you good Discipline. at that? Yes. Yeah, are you yeah. good yeah. to just say I'm not going to eat it eat anymore? Well, I think some of it has to be just the amount, because you have the leftovers all Christmas holidays. It's just, the, it's anarchy when you have Christmas leftovers. Because <laughs> you, you, if you're just like, yeah. oh, I want a turkey sandwich. And oh, there's leftover corn and mashed potatoes. and Gravy. You, just eat, you eat whatever is gets you up to a full meal. You don't do that throughout the year for the most part. Right, but it's such a slippery slope because you find yourself saying, like, tomorrow I'll, exactly. I'll do this, yeah. but there's still that food in the fridge yeah. or I'll worry about well, that. Especially because the New Year's was last, like, it was yesterday, so you can just go, well, I'll just start on Monday or right. whatever. So you yeah. got this whole other You just keep to... pushing it back. Yeah, I, exactly. I, just, I had said, so I'm going to do a dry January again. Mm-hmm. and But I said, but obviously I'm not starting New Year's Day. Right. And then someone's like, why obviously? I was like, that's just not possible. And then, <laughs> and then, I, then I got to today and I was like, it's Thursday. It's almost the weekend. I should, no, wait, you're not, like, making plans you, that involve... You, you, you require a, a dry January? I just did one last year for the first time. Oh. And I quite liked it. It felt good to just to take a break from all alcohol. And it was also it's also good. People are so used to it now that you don't get asked questions. Because even at if you go out anymore, people still say, oh, you're not drinking. Why? You know, and they make all sorts of assumptions. So I to me, nev- that's a good way to just start the clean yeah, you know? I could never do a cleansing. I've I've talked to people and and seen people do it, and they do feel far better after it. But at this stage of the game, I think I <laughs> just decided just, I'm, pre- I'm prepared to suffer. Damn it! <laughs> it's about forming habits, though. I think like last year, my New Year's resolution was to work out frequently or as often as I could, and I've maintained that habit. That so for, you. for me. Uh, the first one of the first things I did yesterday was, well, it's back at it. And I worked out and it wasn't a big deal because it had become a habit. And I think I think was that lifting the jugs of eggnog. Um, <laughs> 
I would rather Hashtag. you. I would rather you n- not comment lighting. on no that. No comment. Oh boy, he worked out, and then he still had some eggnog. Maybe, yeah, right. maybe I shouldn't have brought the eggnog to the had the eggnog in one hand and the barbell in the other. A couple of one liter curls. Yeah. Well, no. let, us, let us know how you break out of your holiday overindulgence. Is there a way? Is there any way to make the transition easy, or is it just as Kelly said? You just gotta hammer down. Show yourself some discipline and move on. 204-780-6868. And hopefully we'll get some tips on how to help you get through that transition a bit later on in the show. Here's another text message that we got at 204-780-6868 from Randy, who says, Good morning, gang. Just wanted to let you know, we experienced lake quakes here yesterday up in the Grand Beach area. Happened around 1 to 1.30. Shook the house pretty good, and we are a block off the lake. So Randy joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Randy, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. What is a lake quake? I had actually not heard of that. So let's start there. First of all, what do you know about them? Well, I don't know much about them, but I think another word for them is a cryosism. And I think what they are is you're getting uh, water underneath the ice that starts moving and it creates pressure. And then it it ultimately creates cracks in the ice. And uh, I guess from the stress of all the, the water underneath of the ice, it, uh, <laughs> it it shakes pretty good. And it, it can it, you can feel it a long way away. How long does it last? Uh, you know what? It, it's sporadic. It might last, you know, maybe about five to six seconds or so, but it's enough that, you know, you can almost feel it rumbling. And then when it hits your house, you can just feel everything starting to shake, almost like an earthquake. Not that I've experienced one before. But you could imagine that be the thing, Randy. So you're sitting in your house, what time yesterday? And, and describe sort of what you first heard and how it rolled through, so to speak. Well, it, it was between 1 and one thirty sometime. And um, uh, basically... Um, you you don't really feel it coming until it's almost uh, I guess at your place wherever you are and it basically just shakes everything and you know stuff in your house starts rattling and and shaking for that you know split couple seconds sort of thing. Now is it just is it rumbling that's caused just by the the sound of the ice cracking or is it going through the ground? Well, I. I me, myself, because I'm not an expert on it, but I think it, it, it might be just shaking the ground as well coming off the lake because there was actually ice fishermen out on the lake yesterday and uh, one of them was saying that uh, uh, some of the fishing holes that were out there after this thing happened, the water was starting to spout out of the holes a little bit. So you know enough to know then, Randy, that that's what it is. There's not a moment where you're thinking, oh, my goodness, am I actually experiencing an earthquake, not an ice quake, or you're familiar with these? Yeah, no, we've been getting these uh, on and off for, you know, the last little while, and we've lived up here since 2007. So, yeah, we're, we're sort of used to it, but it's just some years are, are worse than others, and I'm thinking it might be worse this year because of all, you know, the trouble we've had on the lake with vehicles going down and whatnot. And because of that water flow that we have that's underneath there from the October storm, I think the water levels are a little high and a little unpredictable. And now there's snowpack on the ice. So I'm thinking uh, that's a pretty good recipe for a lot of these things because there's a lot of pressure out there. So you say that some years are, are worse than others. So lake lake quakes are a thing that you're just used to. Yeah, um, for the most part. Uh, you know, when we first uh, felt it, you know, when we first experienced it, it, it kind of freaked us out a little bit in that we really didn't know what it was. So um, then shortly after we had felt it, um, we went down to the lake and then all of a sudden that's where you get these cracks in the ice. You can see them and or a bit of an ice ridge and, and you kind of put it together that that's exactly what it was. It was a shifting of the ice from the water underneath. Hmm. We just got a text from listener Cindy who said, we've had them on Lake Manitoba the last three years, but says she hasn't experienced one this year yet. So I'm learning something new this morning, Brett. I had no idea. I didn't either. So Randy, thanks for reaching out to us. This is really fascinating stuff. So that first time you say that you went down to the lake to to find out what was going on. Did you talk to anybody, like any of your neighbors to say, hey, well, what the hell just happened? Uh, yeah, I, we did mention it to a uh, few neighbors and whatnot, and, and that's when they educated me a little bit on, on you know, what to expect and what it was. And, uh, uh, you know, as I said, there there was some pretty good ice ridges after that first one that we felt, you know, many years ago. So, yeah, it's, it's just become a normal thing around here. And I guess if the conditions are ripe like they are this year, we may get more of them and they may get more intense. 
Randy, thank you so much for reaching out to us. We appreciate this very much, man. Happy New Year. Okay, same to you guys. Lake quakes. I know, I said it. Tristan's, you know, he loves his weather and his different phenomena. And I said, have you ever heard of a lake quake? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, no, that's not something that everybody knows about. But apparently, I guess if you live on a lake, you get used to different things. Like, imagine being on the ice. Like, if you're out fishing mm-hmm. and you feel that, you'd be freaked out. Terrified. But, hey, Randy, thank you so much for reaching out. And to all of our listeners for reaching out and sharing this kind of stuff with us because... We had no idea that this is a phenomenon. Apparently, it's just par for the course if you live near a lake. Text message from Jason at 204-780-6868 following what we spoke with Randy about. Uh, Randy Gunn texted us to say that he felt some lake quakes yesterday in the Grand Beach area. So we spoke with him just after after the news at 7 o'clock. Jason says, I was out on the lake yesterday south of Balsam and I have never felt anything like yesterday's incident. Usually you can hear the ice shifting or cracking, etc. But no warning yesterday, just all of a sudden, myself and the guys I was fishing with were jolted sideways. The ice is almost three feet thick, and when we headed for shore later in the day, it looked like the whole lake ice shelf moved in towards the shore as a huge crack about a foot tall ice shelf yeah, had I, formed. I, I, I just, I, it's, it's a perfect example of like me being maybe too much of a city slicker or something. I had never heard of these before, but obviously if you live on a lake, as we were saying, you might be familiar with that. Uh, we're working on a web story we're going to put up, Brett, and Randy's also sent a photo of one of the ice quakes or lake quakes that he experienced back in 20. 20- 15, oh, and nice. you can see the shelf, like it's kind of like the like a ridge, a line or a ridge that sort of formed on the lake after this happened. And so it makes sense once you hear about it, that's an obvious thing that the ice would crack and potentially move. But man, to feel that tremor, like while you're out on the ice would be something. Yeah. And to, to, to be able to feel it in your house, Ugh. a block away from the lake, it's just crazy stuff. So thank you, Randy. And thank you, Jason, for weighing in on that. Also on the subject of overindulgence, that's our question of the day for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Have you started deflating yet from holiday season overindulgence? Your options are, yes, I need salad, stat, or no, where's the pizza? Cast your vote at cjob.com. <laughs> Text message at 204-780-6868. I am doing a rower, and hubby is doing a Bowflex treadwalker. Another habit I'm working on in January is no eating after dinner. And for me, that's the big one is the snacking after your meal. And I have that's something that I've been able to essentially eliminate from my life for the last year and a half. Wow. Uh, but the last but couple of weeks. any meal or just particularly after supper, you were telling yourself you're done? Yeah, that, like after supper, no more snacking. Because that used to be my big problem. Like I, That's why I could never lose weight because I would eat my meal, which was already too big. And then within two hours, I'm eating a snack, which is sure. essentially another meal. Like it's a full-blown supper. So that's and why I, I couldn't lose weight. So I've gotten rid of that. And now I feel a lot better. How many times have you been heard or heard or been told that you need to stop eating before like 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. if you're going to get up at a normal time? We're getting up at 2 or 3 a.m. So to have a big meal or snack again at 8 p.m. is particularly like it's since I've started this shift, it's been gross to like go to bed at 8 p.m. with that in your stomach. Because it's not like you're staying up till 11 at least and yeah. moving around some more, right? Yeah, I try to eat by 4 o'clock at the latest. That's your last food at 4? Well, yeah, if I, well, if I go to bed at 8 o'clock, I, I try gotta, to eat by 4 or 5 o'clock. I gotta o'clock. step up. You should start texting me every time at 5. Stop eating, McNabb. Yeah, but you've got a family. You're, you're, like, you're, you're, really your kids hard. are still on a normal I'm routine. I'm going to make them have supper at 4 and then no food for the rest of the day. <laughs> It's just what? Me. You just finished hockey? You're hungry? No. <laughs> Too bad. Too bad. Mom's not eating. Neither are you. <laughs> and in a moment, we want to tell you about this awesome blog post, this great article that Travel Manitoba has posted. And we we use Travel Manitoba, Manitoba so much for this segment to find out of all the cool things happening around southern Manitoba. But this, for since it's the first small town salute of 2020, I wanted to, to make a resolution here, McNabb, for where I would like to visit and I don't know that you're going to like at least the first part mm. of this one. Mm. Because as... I know where this is going. As we all know, the I enemy, like to golf. The enemy town. Uh, uh, yep, the enemy town. I like to golf, and that is how I have toured southern Manitoba. And I keep getting told year after year, you have got to get out to Nipawa. And I want to get out to Nipawa. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Nipawa. <laughs> just to clarify for everybody, I grew up in Minnedosa. I love my small town, 
Nipawa was is 15 kilometers east of us, and it's really not the enemy, but it's funny. Like, you know, there's always that a bit of a rivalry there. Well, yeah. It's a pretty town, too. Yeah, and that's... It's not well, as pretty as Minnedosa, but whatever. Well, that's the second part of it. I would <laughs> like to... like it, it, I could probably do the day trip to either or. Why couldn't you so do Minnedosa first? Is it? Was it like two hours? Two and a half, probably. Okay. So, but that's just it. If I were to just do a day trip, it would be one or the other. I would, I would like to get to Nipawa, but... Since I've been working with you and hearing so much about Minnedosa, I'm thinking maybe what I what I will do this year because I always take like a random week off in the summer is maybe I'll go out to Minnedosa and golf there because mm-hmm. you guys there's a golf course yeah, there too. Yeah, it's great, 18 hole course. Yeah, and maybe I'll stay in Minnedosa overnight and just explore the town, mm-hmm. find some sort of local eatery mm-hmm. that you, that you can recommend, and then the next day I'll get up and I'll drive to Nipawa and then make my way back to Winnipeg after that. I'm going to throw one more thing in there because. Okay. On this list, I liked your idea of having a resolution of places to go, and I have a few, but I think you should then add Clear Lake. You could stay in Clear Lake. There's mm. also great golfing there. Oh, you could yeah. do a whole couple days, but you've done that. I think you said you've done Clear Lake golfing. I've never before. been to Clear oh, Lake. Well, then you got to do a whole thing. I'm making this trip longer. You need two weeks, $2,000. You need to get it all in, and it'll be great. But I think it's a really cool idea because when you go looking and, and you reference this blog that Travel Manitoba put out about the Decade in Manitoba, 10 highlights from the last 10 years. And so it starts off with the amazing architecture that's been added, like the Human Rights Museum and IG Field. And it also talks about um, super sports that have come. It talks about the rise of local goods and shops that you should experience. But it also has a section on uh, camping. And one of them is the rise of, you know, yurts in Manitoba and Otentics, which are like a kind of a canvas tent. What? Much more comfortable with a bunk bed inside and a fire set up for you outside. And you can do it in Clear Lake. Okay, so now I have your accommodation. Oh, yeah. Look at that. And then you can uh, have some great food up there, lovely restaurants. You can do golfing there and then then work your way south. And you want you wanted to try winter camping, uh, that's, right? That's, that's on my list. I'd love to try a winter camping. I had a couple friends share on social media over the holidays about how they done nights in the tent in the snow. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I mean more of like an almost camping, <laughs> like a cabin. <laughs> okay. Oh. But you know, being up, but even in the authentic, you can you can winter camp in Clear Lake, I think, with these authentics. I'd have to double check, but it looks like it according to the photos. So some of these places you can camp in the winter, which I think looks neat. And I also want to get up to, and now the name has just escaped me. Where's that spot on the lake? I think it's Lake Manitoba where the goats are. Oh. Um, this is making me mad right now. I had it on, in my head. Uh, anyway, I'll look that up. It's a beautiful, the water looks crazy Caribbean, like blue. And then there's an island with goats that are on it for some, steep, steep rock, steep is, lake. Is it steep rock? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Hopper and Gonzo were the, uh, I think the goats, uh, but I think they, they may have been evicted oh, from no. steep rock, but. Well, I'm not really going for the goats. I'll, I'll be honest with you. The pictures of steep rock, Manitoba. Are amazing and, and every year you always see someone posting pictures of going there. The water looks incredible. It's not that far of a drive, a couple hours. So yeah. that's on my list. And I would like to, that's another thing I would like to do too is anytime I go do something in Southern Manitoba, it's always in the summer, but never in the winter. And just even going to CJOB.com, when you go to the concerts and events page, there's this thing here called the Wolf Howl mm-hmm. Hike. And this is happening tomorrow. tomorrow. At uh, White Shell Provincial Park, you can trek along with a park interpreter as uh, you venture to the scenic Point Pine Rapids. And along the way, you'll howl for wolves and listen for their haunting calls. It's a five-kilometer trek. That sounds like a blast. That sounds super cool. I like that. And and as long as you're with someone who knows what they're talking about, so you're not freaked out, how close is that wolf? Yeah. That howl sounded really close. Yeah, you, know, would... you can learn a few things. Hey, can I wrap it up with this yes. coming from Don? The best thing to come out of Nipawa is the highway. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Darn, right. I laughed. You know, I'm just kidding, Nipawa. You're a beautiful town. <laughs> We've been telling you for the past few days that ERs in the city have seen a pretty big increase in patients. Per- in part as a result of flu season and that the wait times at some hospitals are long. Overnight on Tuesday, the wait time at St. Boniface Hospital actually hit 11 hours. Right now, as of 7.48, it was at four hours. The longest wait time appears to be at HA, 
SC, which is closer to five hours. Crystal Williams is the Chief Health Operations Officer and Chief Nursing Officer with the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority and joins us now. Good morning, Krista. Good morning, and thank you for having me. We know you explained the other day that flu and respiratory illnesses are in part to blame. Are we at the point when we see an extension or these wait times continue to sort of stay at that five-hour range that we need to do more or make some changes? Right. So we watched this very closely, and and just after Christmas on Boxing Day, we saw we saw higher than usual volumes, not only of pe- people presenting to the emergency departments and urgent cares, but also with ambulances and uh, people um, requiring admission. So um, we have surge protocols and we have overcapacity protocols in hospitals that if we need to, uh, based on trends, so if we see one day, two days, three days where, um, you know, we see that continued pressure, then we're looking at opening up additional beds, um, looking at uh, staffing, all of those kind of factors are looked at um, to try to uh, minimize the impact. But it's obviously something that uh, we are on. All of the sites are, are doing everything possible to look at how they can manage it. Um, the continued pressure continued into yesterday. So um, we'll see what happens today. But um, as things proceed and stuff, we make incremental changes to our, our plans. And, and if we need to open up additional beds or additional staffing and stuff, we, we obviously are on top of that and trying to do everything possible to minimize the impact to the public. You mentioned the pressure increasing into yesterday. And this might not be a question you can answer. So I'll, I'll just frame it in the sense of we saw some posts on social media about Seven Oaks yesterday and some patients saying they had gone there not feeling well and that from what they could tell, the discharge room at Seven Oaks had actually been turned into an exam room because they were just so busy. Do you know anything more about this at this hour, Krista? Well, I can't, I can't speak specifically about Seven Oaks, but what I'll tell you is that as part of the surge protocols in each of the emergency departments or urgent cares, when um, there are times in one hour we could see a surge of 15 or 20 people come in, the next hour there could be two. So what we do is we flex up and we use all of our space possible because the most important thing is um, being able to uh, uh, see and assess those individuals. So um, we will do that in, as part of normal operations that every hospital and every emergency department across this country does so as part of normal surge. It's possible that a discharge room would be turned into an exam room or beds be added to spaces like that? We could, I can't speak specifically about what room they use, but what I'll say is is that we would use any rooms that are available, but you have to remember the, the most important thing. If a person comes in and they, they are assessed based on how sick they are, the sickest of the sickest are treated uh, and managed immediately. Um, there are others that come in for minor things, and they may be treated, and it may take a bit longer, um, absolutely, but they may be treated in alternative spaces if required, based on how many people we have in the departments. So the staff do an excellent job of doing everything possible and using all space so that they can manage the population. But the sickest of the sick that come in, those that require, like, are very sick and may need ICU are attended to first. And that's part of our assessment of the acuity and the sickness of people coming in. New numbers were just released for the median wait times to the end of November with the median wait at 1.97 hours. That's actually longer than it was the same month one year ago. It's been two years since the massive changes were introduced. Shouldn't we be trending down by now? Yeah, so um, I've kind of talked about this before. So we were we saw a little bit of improvement from the month before. Um, we have gone through the biggest changes in our in our health system this past summer, with the change at Seven Oaks and the change at Concordia. We knew that making these changes, um, part of that is you need to then stabilize your system. We saw some stabilization over uh, September, October, November. We want those numbers to be better. We have a target in twenty twenty one by March thirty first. We are uh, going to meet high Canadian average, which is 1.2 and 3 point uh, at the median uh, and 3.2 at the 90th percentile. So that's what we're really focused on is doing everything possible to make incremental improvements. But we also know we're hitting winter season and Christmas season when everyone gets together and there's the spread of infections and winter season when we have slips and falls, when we see the most uh, the highest wait times each year happen. So um, this is a busy season. We're doing everything possible and uh, to, to uh, try to minimize the impacts on the wait times. But I want to be sure that patients that come in, they're assessed by acuity, and those that are the sickest will be seen first um, to ensure that they get the care that they need. All right, Krista Williams, Chief Health Operations Officer and Chief Nursing Officer with the WRHA. Thank you, Krista. Thank you.
right now, we want to talk about this headline, Foam No More. <laughs> Loren, what's going on in Vancouver? The city of Vancouver has banned foam takeout containers. That ban went into effect January 1st, and it sounds like it's the first city in Canada to introduce that ban because... There's so many things that come out of a restaurant or takeout place or coffee shop that are not recyclable. And so they're trying to put an end to those single-use plastics. And that had me asking, Brett, well, are we looking at something like that in Winnipeg? We've got that ask into the city. It doesn't sound like it is at this point. But when I reached out to our next guest, he said, Loren, I've been doing this for a long, long time. So I want to bring on Scott McTaggart, owner of Fusion Grill, also director with Restaurants Canada. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So you said goodbye to Styrofoam a long time ago. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the fact that Styrofoam Styrofoam is not that great uh, for the environment, has been around for decades now. And, and really, um, it was just a choice that we made. I mean, part of the concept of Fusion Grill has always been uh, uh, fresh and local, of course, but sustainable and environmentally friendly uh, in, in the things we purchase uh, and the way we serve them. Well, that's one of the, when I went to visit your restaurant for the first time last year, everything was locally sourced and you knew exactly, you could give us, sort of tell us a little story about where you got the food, right? So, I mean, that was that is a huge part of the charm that you bring to that restaurant. Yeah, and and thank you uh, for that. And you know, we're it is very challenging. I mean, some of the ingredients that we used to be able to use quite readily, like elk, for instance, we used to have a really flourishing, great, uh, flourishing, excellent elk industry in Manitoba. But uh, now the elk is mostly. Uh, sent to Quebec for processing, and then sent back, and then we purchase it here. And, I mean, the fossil fuel emissions just for that, you know what I mean? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. And there's lots of other, you know, ruminants that we can eat. Uh, We've got great local bison industry here type of a thing, so it's good. But, I mean, we just choose to make those decisions. And I think that's the big, um, I think that's the big takeaway from this. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious you know, I like the idea of the ban on styrofoam on one side. Uh, on the other side, I'm 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 wondering who's going to police that. I mean, are we going to who's going to go around and make sure that that's not happening or is happening, and and how are they going to go about doing that? I I would like to see more uh, more of my colleagues in the restaurant industry sort of understand the effect of what their actions have and make the decision on their own. So the government doesn't necessarily have to go about legislating it and policing that. And then at the same time, people, you know, can make decisions too when they're ordering their, skip the dishes when they're at the mall filling up their containers for doing their Christmas shopping uh, type of a thing. Hey, make a decision. Where Are you, you going to buy from somebody that's using that product to, to, to serve it or, or not? I mean, that's that's ultimately we have the final decision the way we spend our money. Well, you mentioned that you've been doing this for years because you've known for years sort of the ills or the, the bad things that come with using all that styrofoam. And we've definitely, that's something that just as a consumer, you know it, even though you, as I sit here with my coffee cup, knowing that only the lid is recyclable and all those kinds of things, you make those choices as a consumer. I'm curious what's stopping businesses from going down this road. If you're even inclined to be more environmentally conscious, is it the cost? Like how much more does switching from styrofoam to something else cost a restaurant? It, the the profit margins in the restaurant business across the country are staggeringly low. Uh, and, it is, you know, and I'm not complaining. I love my business. And I mean, savvy operators are able to, you know, make a go of it and make it work. But uh, the fact of the matter is the last uh, percentage that we calculated for 2019 in Restaurants Canada was that the profit margin was 4.2% across the board. So, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Um, so if, if there are people that are really close, uh, that are, you know, cash flow issues, that type of thing, um, you know, they're taking a look at a container that may be two cents less than another container. Uh, it, it it might be easy for them to make that decision. I can sort of see that. But it, I mean, again, you know, the it, it's a bit short sighted, you know, when and when you're in that situation, it's tough and I'm not judging or anything at all. But, you know, operators, uh, um, hopefully, um, you know, well, I guess one of the things that sort of that I always thought would be a great idea is we sort of um, incentives always seem to work better than anything else, right? Returning your pop bottles for a couple of cents, right? Why? Why? Maybe there's a way that we could do that I mean, instead of uh, uh, penalizing with uh, with a little uh, uh, tax or, or that type of thing. 
Can we offer an incentive for operators? Can we make it more uh, accessible? Or the consumer. Uh, like, what if there's a dish you get? There's lots of restaurants you get that food served in a plastic dish that almost feels like Tupperware. Sure. And you're and I try to use it in my house as many times Absolutely. as possible. Absolutely. But it, it, are those containers, if you paid a bit more, something that you can either keep and use as a microwave or return in some way, like you mentioned, as a pop can or something? Maybe I return 20 plastic dishes at the end of the month from all my, my takeout. Definitely. And, I mean, even for an more upscale restaurants like our uh, Fusion Grill, uh, you know, maybe there's a program where we we create a, a bento box type of a container that is, uh, you know, you pay a deposit on it, you know, it comes back, your next, uh, you know, your next order, people are, you know, uh, third-party delivery and takeout and that type of thing isn't going away. I mean, it's super prominent. So maybe there's a system there where, you know, your delivery, uh, you know, you exchange your clean uh, uh, containers when the, when the delivery person drops off the food, they pick up from your last delivery too, you know. Or, or maybe there's some sort of a process like that. But I mean, uh, I'm sure that with the, um, well, like with the increase in third party t- mm-hmm. delivery, I mean, that's that's got to be something that's on the horizon. Now, you say you don't use styrofoam. So what do you use for takeout containers? For takeout containers, we're using an aluminum uh, mostly. And then we have the same sort of uh, sort of really kind of durable uh, plastic Tupperware type containers that hof- the people are hopefully, re- you know, washing. They'll go through the dishwasher and reuse. I mean, we use that at my home too. It's fascinating, this conversation, because we talk heavily in the last year about carbon taxes and, and, our, and our footprint, our environmental footprint. But you don't have to step out of the side of the office or your car very far just to see how we are contributing in a waste full sort of way. So the idea of putting it back on us a little bit is also important. Absolutely. Because if you drive by any restaurant, uh, not any restaurant, but many restaurants, you're going to see those containers or those kinds of things piling out of any fast food joint or the garbage of your Tim Hortons or what have you. Well, you're absolutely right. And you know, and the time is now, uh, 23 years ago when I opened Fusion Grill to talk about sustainability and environmentally friendly products and that type of thing. People, just to put people in a whole different frame of mind, you know, they just, they just sort of thought about hippies and hookah pipes and whatever, you know. <laughs> and, and, and now, I mean, you actually, I actually have conversations with, uh, with people in the restaurant who are making choices because of our sustainable ap- approach. They're making, you know, they're happy that we're actually taking those steps and it has an effect on their buying decisions. We just want to, you know, we just got our toe in the door and we just want to make sure that, that you know, hopefully that, that increases and that, you know, continues and savvy uh, operators. And, you know, if you're in the restaurant business, you got to be a pretty savvy business person. You know, they're realizing that this is the way the market is going. And so we have to have uh, you know, uh, be able to address the market and, you know, we want to be able to leave the place uh, uh, cleaner than we found it. Now, this ban uh, in Vancouver will also, on April 22nd, on Earth Day, include single-use plastic straws. Uh, so there will be a one-year exemption for bubble tea straws, but businesses are going to be required to make accessible paper-wrapped bendable straws if people ask for them. What do you do for straws in your restaurant? We don't. Uh, we don't. We don't serve straws. Uh, we have compostable straws. If people uh, request them, but it doesn't come uh, with automatically come with no, the drink. No, no. We've had to. You know, we've had to rejig some things. You know, there are uh, uh, drinks that. You know, you, the straw. You know, is a stir stick as well, right? So, you know, well, can we serve that with a spoon? Right. Why? You know, you can just sort of sort of take a look at your presentation a little bit differently, and you know, without sort of being too intrusive. Uh, you know, p- present the drink to them in a way that is without the straw. And then, you know, if they want the straw, that's cool. That's okay. We've got them. But, um, you know, forgive me if I, I give you a little frown. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no, no, I'm not. The, I'm I not like going to do you that. You know what? Judge I'm not, away. I'm not judging. I'm judge not judging. You, judge it. Judge it. You know, as long as my drink comes with some sort of like Caesar-like accoutrement attached to it, I'm fine. You don't need to give me the straw. So just add something. That celery stick. Yeah, that celery just, stick. Just yeah. start throwing celery sticks into Diet Cokes and things like that. People will love it. Yeah, and Scott, another thing too, and you know, particularly with your restaurant, I would imagine, do you even need a lot of takeout Containers, because I can't imagine going to Fusion Grill and not cleaning off my plate. Right. I mean, that's the there's the thing too, and it's a great point you bring up because, you know, food portioning. Right. I mean, we have to you you take a look at some of the places, uh, um, and oh my gosh, they're giving you a lot of food, right? And you know, that's that's great and good value and whatnot, but you know, maybe quality over quantity might be a little bit more, you know smarter, right, uh, type of a thing, so that there isn't the need for the doggy bag or the takeout bag. And then we, we really, 
you know, most of our stuff is for to go for people that want to have like New Year's Eve was just that we had a bunch of people that were ordering to have food at home. Now, is the aluminum recyclable or is it more just that it's not as bad when it goes into the landfill? <clears throat> it's recyclable, but it has to be clean, right? So that's the thing. But human behavior again, right? People have to throw that stuff through the dishwasher or rinse it out in the sink before it goes into the blue box. So it sounds like not only do we need to look at how we might adapt to a ban should Winnipeg ever do this going forward, but we might need still some better products. Like, are, are those in the works that you know of that would make it easier? Or is it, are we still, is that still part of the problem? Well, I mean, I personally, I think compostable products are the, are the best. And that's where the most, you know, in, well, the most work seems to be done. And, and uh, hopefully that's, that will continue that way so that, you know, we don't have to, you know, when you clean something, you have to use soap and then soap gets phosphorus and then phosphorus is in the water. And I mean, it's like, you know, this never ending sort of cycle. Whereas if you had a compostable, you know, Fork, knife, spoon, plate, nice, something, you know, that would, that presents well, that you can do, you know, that holds the, uh, you know, the temperature of the food nicely, uh, and that can go right into the garbage and then just degrades. I mean, that to me is sort of the perfect uh, sort of scenario where we have less uh, steps uh, involved with, uh, and the environment essentially is in a lot better shape. Scott McTaggart is the owner of Fusion Grill on Academy. He is also a director with Restaurants Canada, joining us live on CJOB. And just for Scott's benefit, this listener just texted now saying, I want you to tell your guest I went in for a Christmas party there this year. There were six of us. The food was phenomenal. Everyone should try it. Thank you. You know, that, he's coming in the right? studio. Got to give it. Got to <laughs> let him. Got to let it be said. Uh, well, hey, thank you for that text, and Scott, thank you for the visit. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate it very much. Anytime, and uh, hey, enjoy the rest of your day. Now I'm weirdly hungry, though. I'm starving. <laughs> I should have brought something. <laughs> I'm just thinking of steak at Fusion Grill. I don't know how foam led me to be hungry, but I'm, but I am. <laughs> Right now, we want to talk once again about one of our top stories, and that has to do with emergency workers under attack on New Year's Eve. Yeah, the headline at globalnews.ca is Winnipeg police officers, firefighters injured in three separate New Year's Eve incidents. For the for the police officers, there was cases where they were trying to arrest someone. Someone came at them with a knife, and then they eventually tasered him. Uh, there was also another officer assaulted while trying to arrest someone. And then the story of the firefighters is that they went to respond to a fire alarm call, and as they're working their way through the building, they got to the eighth floor. They were confronted confronted by some people outside a suite. Next thing you know, uh, there's sort of a confrontation. This man threatens, the firefighters threatens to kill them, has a knife. A firefighter is cut in the process. And that had Chief John Lane coming out on New Year's Day to talk about that incident and what he says they're now doing to address this situation. We've done what we can with the, uh, with the training that the Winnipeg uh, Police Service have, uh, have helped us with. And we've actually engaged consultants um, uh, late last year to uh, uh, actually review the exact circumstances of, of when violent incidents occur uh, to our members. And uh, that process uh, got underway uh, uh, about uh, uh, six or eight weeks ago. And um, we're expecting the results of that uh, early in, the, uh, in, in this year. So we certainly heard, Brett, that first responders are seeing more violence on the streets in the back of ambulances and now this latest with this fire call. But it was news to me, at least, to hear that this consultant has been hired to talk about violent incidents. And so we want to delve more into that with the president of the United Firefighters, uh, Alex Forrest, joining us now. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. What do you know about this training, first of all, that has taken place or conversations with the police? Is this something that every firefighter has received or every EMS worker yeah, no, like uh, this has been an issue for about the last year and a half. There's been multiple times we've we've went on talking about what's gone on with the firefighters, the assaults that we're facing, the uh, times we go to calls where there's guns or knives. And as a result, the department has, hand, has hired this consultant that has looked at this. And uh, we've actually started to change the way we respond to calls all, already. We're trying to educate our firefighters that uh, there is no safe call anymore. You have to expect the worst at any of these calls. And uh, because many times... Uh, the consultant can say all they want, but the bottom line is, is you really don't know what you're going to get till you get there. And firefighters are the first on the scene many times, even before the police. So we walk into a situation and we don't know what to expect. And that's the most dangerous time of any type of encounter with the public is, is we don't know what we're going into, even if it's a fire call. 
a medical call. And what happens is we're getting surprised more and more from uh, violence that is uh, at, at these calls. So what we're doing is we're training our firefighters to basically be more aware, understanding that if there's any possibility of violence or if there's a weapon on scene, we don't go in anymore. We we basically stay and we stage and we wait till police get there to ensure that the scene is safe. And if we do go into a uh, fire call or a medical call and we believe it's going to be violent, we we back out. We uh, go defensive. We do do not engage. We try and get out as soon as possible uh, in a safe and effective manner. So he mentioned uh, Chief John Lane mentioned a rep- consultant that had been hired about six to eight weeks right. ago, and they're waiting for that report. So there might be more yeah. coming out of that. But he, he did right. he did reference some sort of police training. So to your knowledge, have firefighters or EMS received additional training or is that just something that happens at the start of one's career and it might have been revisited? I'm just curious what you know about what has been said there. uh, Well, that training existed. If you see a gun or a knife, get out of there. That's the training. Like, uh, like, like, let's let's be realistic here. This is this is something that, yeah, is is bigger than the fire department. This is about socioeconomic problems in the downtown core. This is about poverty, mental health issue, addictions, and what's happening is that uh, we're sort of holding the fort until the politicians figure out that the priorities of the city is not light rail transit, is not uh, uh, bike lanes. It has to be mental health issues, addiction centers because we need to deal with the root of what's happening here is that this city is falling apart because of uh, mental health issues, addiction issues, meth, and it's becoming more and more violent. Like, I can tell you that our firefighters are telling us that downtown, from what it was even two or three years ago, is is uh, so violent. We're having to, every single time we go into any type of uh, call, we're on uh, guard. And uh, luckily, what happened with this heinous attack is that there was a large number of firefighters. We were able to uh, uh, protect ourselves because of our numbers and because we had equipment that we used for firefighting. We had to use on the individual to hold them until police got there. And even then, a firefighter gets severely injured. He had a, uh, a large gash on his hand. And he's quite uh, injured. And uh, luck- luckily, there's no tendon damage or anything. But but this slice could have been, if it would have been his throat or anything, we, we'd be talking about a fatality right now. So, like, I understand we're getting consultants and we understand what's going in. But we have to address the politicians. And I've met with every politician in the last two or three weeks. And I'm trying to give them a, a window into what firefighters are seeing out there. Is that we have a crisis on about three different levels whether it's mental health or addictions or or, or uh, uh, poverty, we have to deal with the root issues of this because this city is falling apart right now and uh, is is becoming more and more violent. Do firefighters get any self-defense training? No. So do you know what police, so you, when, when he mentioned police training, is that something that's coming or you're just talking about the, what you just mentioned, which was if you see a knife or gun, don't go in? Well, the one thing that we had said is the police training should be don't send us on calls that are police calls. So it might be more, is that more of a dispatch situation then to have the dispatch? Maybe that's what he's talking about. We've we've, uh, stopped dispatch process where uh, the... Uh, a, a year ago, police are tremendously hurt on resources, so they were starting to send firefighters into uh, calls that were basically police. There was no medical or fire emergency. They just wanted firefighters to attend until police were available. And uh, we had multiple uh, incidents of this. We brought this forward. We met with the police. And now at least our dispatch is starting to uh, look at these calls that are coming from police. And many times uh, we refused to go We've heard too, and this is an issue not just with firefighters or police. And 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 to your point about you know firefighters potentially be going to calls that you're saying are not fire related. We had the city yeah. come out and police say that that wasn't the case. So there's a bit of back and forth there, and then I can appreciate that it <laughs> yeah. can get convoluted, yeah. Alex, depending yeah. on where you are in that situation. But we do know, and I have heard from many firefighters and also. Uh, EMS that about yeah. the the fear of going into the job now and the stress yeah. that comes with it. Have you seen a rise, or do you know of if there's a rise in sick days being taken or calls coming in from folks who are just like, I don't want to go to work today because I don't want to lose my life for something that's not related to my job. 
Right. Uh, uh, first thing, the city did say that the police did say that wasn't happening. They were sending police. Then then they recanted and they said, yes, there is some calls that slipped through. And so the slipping through calls, we've stopped. Secondly, the reason this is so hard on morale for firefighters, uh, ambulance, etc., is because this is not what we signed up for. When we go there, we're going there to help people. And the very people we're going to help are turning on us. Are, are are attacking us and it's a tough thing to deal with because what's happened is we go there and we're trying to help and our intentions are great and then we end up wrestling with a knife-wielding person who's high on some type of drug you know it is a a, a different world out there the, the way we fight fires the way we attend to calls have really changed because of the changing nature of Winnipeg. Alex Forrest joining us live on 680 CGOB head of the firefighters union thank you very much sir Thank you very much. But yeah, we've been talking about this morning. How do we sort of snap out of it and get back to, like, you tried to, you ordered pizza, was it yesterday? Yes. And you just couldn't. And it was Santa Lucia, which I love. And I was super excited for it. And everybody else just hammered it. But I pulled out a couple slices, put them on the plate, had a couple bites. Don't get me wrong, tasted great, but I couldn't get past just how gross I felt. And I, my body rejected it. Like it was like I had the flu and I couldn't possibly eat anything because it would kill me. You know, that kind of, I was like, no, your body is done. Yeah. And I actually woke up excited this morning for the possibility of like a walk or a hike or even like a run. I don't know anything. I need it. Well, Kate McKenzie from Surefire Fitness joins us now live to offer us some tips on how we might be able to snap out of it if we need some assistance. Kate, good morning to you. Good morning and Happy New Year, everybody. Well, Happy New Year to you as well. So before we talk about fitness and exercise, I wanted we wanted to first talk about food because uh-huh. in this particular season, like I know for me, I have eaten more, I think I ate more greasy food in the month of December than I did for the rest of 2019. <laughs> and <Yeah>. that kind of <laughs> creates, like when you eat a lot of fatty foods and, you know, salty foods, th- that does kind of... It, it almost rewires your brain a little bit, right, to just need it more than just the odd craving. Well, it can kind of derail any progress that you've been trying to make for the rest of the year. And as Loren was saying, uh, your body sort of craves getting back into a routine with a few healthier choices. So your body will actually tell you what you need uh, if you sit back and you're mindful and you listen to it. So Part of the problem, I think, for many of us is that we want to make this change and we kind of almost do it cold turkey, though. So we just go from like all this overindulgence to a day where we're just forcing ourselves to just have the salads or the low carbs and the exercise. And I don't know if that's always the best strategy. So can you ease into it with maybe it's a, is it a meal plan or some ideas? Yeah, for sure. It's recommended to ease into it. A lot of times we're so ridden with guilt for making poor choices this time of year that, like you said, it's all about the cold turkey and cutting everything out and adding a few things in and trying to change way too many habits at once. And research has shown that that's just not sustainable. It kind of puts you on that roller coaster where you do make good choices in quotation marks, whatever that means to you. Um, and then that's followed up with a, a bad cycle because you can't sustain those habits. So, yes, making small changes, picking one thing, a habit that you can easily be successful with, and then once that is integrated as a habit, continuing to, to build from there. One of our listeners texted earlier saying that they need to stop eating after dinner, and that's something that I've been guilty of the last couple of weeks. Usually I don't, I'll have my dinner and then that's that. There's no snacking, but I have been snacking lately, so I'm hoping to, again, get rid of that. But in the meantime, if, if I feel this need, this urge to snack, is there, are, are there what, what kind of healthy snacks maybe would be a good sort of transitional thing that I can yeah, munch on. The, the thing with snacks is that the more they're available, the more you kind of want them. So this time of year, there tends to be a lot of leftover kind of junk food or less healthy options that have either been gifted or baked over the holidays. The faster you can get that out of your house, give it away, freeze it, throw it away if need be, the more likely you are to make good choices. If it's in the house or easily accessible, then the chances increase that you will consume it. Um, And then fruits and vegetables are always a go-to. And uh, if they're prepared in advance, again, the likelihood of them being consumed is a lot higher. What if I don't want to eat fruits and vegetables? (laughs) What if I still still need something salty? salty? Popcorn is a good option. uh, And 
portions is also part of the issue. So if you open up a giant bag of chips from Costco and you sit there mindlessly eating the whole bag, that's different than grabbing a handful or two of chips, putting them in a bowl and enjoying them and then moving on from there. What about like peanuts or something like that? Not so great. Uh, they've got tons of protein and they do have, they are a source of good fat. Uh, nuts, just be mindful. They are calorically quite dense. So a small handful of nuts has a lot more calories than, say, a large handful of fruits or vegetables. So then now that we've put some popcorn in replacement of our chips, maybe removed some of the leftovers from our fridge, what's the best way to do that slow? Like, you know, a ton of people will go to a gym today and will be signing up for that gym membership because they're feeling yeah. ill. And then we research has also shown two and a half months later, those people are not going to the gym and you've put all this dollars into it. So should I be starting more with like a plan? Like I'm going to add 20 minutes of walking every day or something I can do at home before I go all in on that yeah. expense? It really depends on the person. Some people find that they need a destination to go to in order to get their fitness in. They need a break from home or from the office or from the kids. And for them, that works. Other people, if they can fit in small uh, bouts of exercise throughout the day, as you mentioned, a, a walk at lunchtime or before or after work or a short exercise routine that can be done at home, sometimes it helps to have uh, help from a professional. So if you get a personal trainer or another type of fitness professional that can design a workout that's specific to you, you're more likely to complete that knowing that you're doing the right exercises and the right techniques. Um, and then also there's a whole bunch of habit tracking apps out there. So whether you mark it down on a piece of paper that you've completed your habit of the day or you use an app to track and you can choose the habit that you want to track. Maybe it's that 20 minute walk. Maybe it's 15 minutes of resistance training. Maybe it's adding an extra serving of fruits or vegetables or not eating after dinner, whatever the habit is that you want to track. And once that becomes ingrained, then adding on another habit to layer on top of it. Does that work better for some in the group? Like, I respond really well to shaming. So if somebody, like, in the sense of, you know, I, I, some of my more healthier times have been when I'm running with people or there's apps that we'll use and I'll see that my brother went for a run today. I better go do it too because we made a promise to each other that we're going to add this yeah. much exercise, right? And not that it's the shaming in the sense of, like, okay, he's calling me up and saying, hey, fatty, hit the road. <laughs> yeah. it, it's more of the idea that I feel compelled then. Okay, I, I made a promise. And I want to come through with it because now this other person's keeping their end of the bargain. So it might be saying to your spouse, did you have a salad today? Or did you, you know, like, is there a way to do that without making someone feel bad? There is research that supports that group or having an accountability buddy, so to speak, is uh, helpful in creating those healthy habits. For sure, you want to stay away from the shaming aspect of it where you call the person (laughs) out and tell them how terrible they are. I think most of us do a good enough job of that on our own without having other people call us out. But again, that's where a fitness professional can help too, where they might be checking in on the number of workouts that you completed or your eating plan or your healthy habits. So if it's a friend, a spouse, a colleague, a group fitness activity that you, um, that you decide to try out or any of those things can definitely help with adherence in the holidays for sure. McNabb mentioned that this time of year, of course, is a busy time where people make their resolutions. I'm going to get fit. They go out, they get a gym membership, and then they give up within weeks. And so what advice do you give people who are going out at this time of year to a gym for the first time maybe in a long time? How do you, what do you advise them to, to try to help them stick to it? Yeah, it can be super intimidating being in an environment that you're not familiar with. Uh, For people who are current gym members and they see all those newbies, try to be patient. Sometimes the attitude of the people around you can sort of rub off on you. So if there's friendly faces in the gym, you're more likely to continue with the program or if you sign up with a friend. Most gyms have some sort of introduction or welcome or tour that they can give you to help you familiarize yourself with the locker rooms and the equipment and how some of the equipment works and the gym schedule um, and all those little things help. And then also just thinking again, as we talked about before, small steps, you don't need to go to the gym every day for two hours. Maybe you start with three times a week for 20 minutes and you ease in from there and you add little parts to your routine from there. And you also mentioned, um, proper technique and I think that's super important Uh, like I I learned the hard way three weeks ago I tried out a machine that I hadn't tried and I don't know what I did wrong but I popped something (laughs) in my shoulder 
And uh, yeah. it's it's not a, I'm not in searing pain or anything, but three weeks now, my shoulders felt kind of weird. And you didn't ask beforehand, like, how do I use this machine or anything like that? No, I no, just, I've done that too. Yeah, I, yeah, but I like I didn't even I didn't even have a lot of weight. I just sat down and get, and tried it, and yeah, my shoulders have been tweaked ever since. So it is important to to take that time to to learn how to do it before you do it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, most gyms have floor staff that are either floating around or at a front desk that you could ask if you're curious about a certain piece of machinery. Um, and even people who are well-seasoned sometimes need a refresher with their technique on some of the more complicated lifts and moves. So just because you see something online or in a magazine doesn't mean that you should do it. It doesn't mean that it's an exercise that's appropriate for you. That's why I always recommend getting programming from a professional because then you know you're getting an exercise that's suitable for you and your level and how your body's working at that particular time. Um, and then working on your technique with a professional or asking people for help to make sure that you're doing it correctly because you're right, the risk of injury is very real. Is this a busy time of year for you, Kate? Is it like Christmas <laughs> for you? Is it like Christmas? All The whole year is pretty busy for me. There are ebbs and flows for sure. This time of year, yes, there are some people that crawl out of the woodwork. <laughs> I think sure. it's more like tax time where you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm, here we are. Here's the deadline. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Hit the gym, <laughs> which is stressful on both ends for accountants yeah. and people filing. So it could be all things. Well, this is great. Lots of good tips in here. Good. Kate McKenzie with Surefire Fitness. The website is surefirefitness.ca. Pleasure as always. Happy New Year. Yeah, you bet. Happy New Year to you as well. And she mentioned, too, it can be intimidating. And I think that is that for me was always one of the the big barriers when going to a, a gym is to just remember and remind myself that, hey, it's been a while since I've been here. I'm not an expert. I don't look like the guys who have been working out for months and months and months. You're not going to achieve your goal overnight. It's going to take a long time, likely, but depending I've- on what your goals are to get there. So just. Go easy on yourself. I've never once, to your point about hurting yourself on the machine, I don't think I've ever once asked for help, which is so stupid. I'll sit down, I'll look at that diagram, you know, that shows you how to change the weight and how your seat's supposed to be adjusted to different things. And then I like do like two leg curls or pull downs or whatever you call them with my arms. And then I'm like, this is not working. And then I get up and do a slow wipe of the seat, like as if I've just put in 30 reps when I've done two, because yeah. I'm nervous and I just leave. Like I just abandoned it. <laughs> And I like everybody else seems to know what they're doing around here. And I'm usually followed up by some 80 year old who knows exactly how to lift weights. And I'm just struggling. So you got to ask. I guess that'll be part of the resolution. And I think, too, for me, it's just I'm getting old and joints are starting to hurt when they didn't hurt well, maybe, anymore. Maybe there's some things to her point you just shouldn't be doing yeah. or doing it differently. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to do that one anymore. Oh, I can't <laughs> do that one anymore because my, my shoulder still hurts three weeks later. Oh, I should have asked her, should I use heat? Or cold, like should I be icing my shoulder, or should I be should I be getting like a heat pad, or sit in a hot tub, or something, I or maybe never, I need to do both. I maybe I need to give it a thermal cold? experience. Yeah. Hot, cold, hot, cold. I have no idea. No, I don't either. I'll just, maybe I'll just. I could just stop working out, but that would be not, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'll just work out with my right arm. Get so the I'll have one like side a really, of the body, like a yeah. Popeye on yeah. the one side, and just an average <laughs> arm on the other. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.